How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Peacock. Got a great show lined up for you today. Excited to talk to Patrick Connor. When I look at defensive players in the draft, you know Pecon from KNBR. Works with the morning show, also the shower hour, and the saloon on the weekend. So he's all over the place at KNBR. A good football mind, an SEC product himself, so he knows those SEC defenders very well, and there's a lot of good ones in this draft. And also some news, some signings in the NFL, along with the 49ers, some franchise tags are uh, being placed on free agents out there, and uh, a little bit of news, something we had speculated about Kirk Cousins as well, so we'll get into that in a bit. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock, subscribe on iTunes, rate, review the show, Streaming on Audio Boom as well and many other podcast delivery platforms. Email, questions, comments, or if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, Locked On 49ers at Gmail and links to all that stuff I just mentioned at LockedOn49ers.com. And we have a new richest wide receiver in the NFL, Antonio Brown, signing a new four-year deal with Pittsburgh at about a 17 mil per year. Not a bad contract. Richest wide receiver contract in NFL history now. And we're going to see a lot of big contracts coming down, and that raises the price of all the free agent wide receivers. Salary cap keeps rising. Teams have so much money. Fewer and fewer free agents actually reaching the market. And uh, teams are, are looking at the franchise tag now and saying, well, that's a bargain to play, pay a guy a whole bunch just for one year uh, rather than invest these multi-year crazy contracts. So we're going to see a lot of big money out there. If the 49ers are going to compete, they're going to have to pay for some of the top free agents who are left and not franchised. News on Monday that Kirk Cousins... Uh, Melvin Ingram, Kawan Short, Chandler Jones, Eric Berry, all expected to get the franchise tag. Not expected to be franchised are Don Terry Poe because they have to only choose one. They're choosing Eric Berry in Kansas City and Alshon Jeffrey. Looks like he's going to be the best wide receiver. And the 49ers doing some work. A pair of exclusive rights free agents were tendered contracts by the team. Defensive tackle Mike Purcell, another interior defender locked up. Purcell will have to compete with Earl Mitchell and others for playing time and a roster spot most likely because, uh, you know, uh, they aren't done adding interior rushers or nose tackle types, either free agents or draft picks to the mix. And outside linebacker Carl Bradford was the other. He was claimed off waivers from the Packers late last season. Didn't get much run with the 49ers, but my scouting report on him from the 2014 draft reads as uh, you know, he was 6'1", 250 coming out of the draft, ran a 4'7", 6", so a little bit undersized, but he might fit with that, uh, you know, that strong side linebacker position. This is what I had to say about him in 2014. He was my number 10 outside linebacker for a 3-4 defense in that draft. Short, compact edge rusher, usually first man off the line, can get under the pads of an OT, uh, but will also get engulfed and nullified at times. Good motor and effort, can bend the edge undersized and not athletic enough to project as an impact player. Third to fourth round. He was taken in the fourth round by the Packers. Uh, hasn't done much with, with Green Bay, and now 
He's in San Francisco, going to compete probably at both Leo and strong side linebacker positions for the 49ers. And some semi-big news, something we had already talked about on the podcast before, but a report Monday from ESPN's John Keim, and uh, he's close to the Washington Redskins. He said, quote, this really isn't a case of both sides wanting to break away from each other, uh, talking about Kirk Cousins. According to multiple people, Cousins likes playing in Washington. According to multiple people in the organization, the team truly likes Cousins, but the leverage Cousins enjoys isn't about to change, and the Redskins clearly aren't prepared to pay him what he thinks he can get. That's why, with all the options as to what can happen if he's tagged by Wednesday's deadline, one has a higher percentage of happening, and that is a trade. So very interesting from John Keim there, uh, expects a trade. We heard this from Daniel Jeremiah when he was talking to some league insiders that a trade is probably more likely than Kirk Cousins staying in Washington. Uh, Keim went on to say, and this is very important, that Washington's problem is that there's only one team Cousins will sign with right now, according to one source aside from Washington, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. So that's big-time bargaining power for both Cousins and the 49ers in trade. If, if there's only one team who's an option to trade to, that really severely limits how much you can get in return if you're Washington there. So uh, it, as of right now, if you're believing all the reports that are out there, it's either Washington or San Francisco for Kirk Cousins. And there's a possibility if, if the 49ers don't trade for Cousins and he's tagged and plays under that tag, then they might be able to get him for nothing in 2018 after he plays through that tag because it'll just be cost prohibitive for them to tag him again in 2018. So intriguing quarterback decisions ahead for the 49ers and going into combine week, they really have to wait to find out if they do love one of the quarterbacks that's going to be available in the draft. And there's a lot of risk reward there for them to make a decision about. And it's really funny because it's almost completely inverse the risk versus reward with these quarterbacks. And I, I ranked them on Twitter a few days ago and shouted it out and it's crazy because when you start looking at risk, so as far as the least risky options, if you're weighing both free agent uh, trade-worthy quarterbacks in Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, who most people believe will be traded this offseason and who could come right in and start, and then the top four quarterbacks who are overwhelmingly expected to be the top four in some order with Trubisky, Watson, Kaiser, and Mahomes, uh, if you're looking at it with risk, Cousins is definitely the least risky. We've seen him start for multiple years now in Washington Garoppolo would be the second less risky because at least we've seen six quarters out of him with the Patriots. So we've seen some NFL tape on Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you look at risk for the top four and, and they're all less. Both of those guys are less risky than the quarterbacks in the draft as quarterbacks in the draft tend to be. Trubisky, Watson, Kaiser and Mahomes in order, I would say, have the highest to lowest floors there. So uh, with risk, I think there's less with Trubisky than Watson, than Kaiser, than Mahomes. And what's funny is you look at those six in order and you just completely flip it. And that's what you get for upside. So how do you weigh the upside with this? Because the most the guy with the most upside is probably Mahomes because he's got the best arm. He's got NFL size. Uh, he's got NFL athleticism. Uh, you got Deshaun Kaiser, who's even bigger than Mahomes and has almost as good of an arm. Then you have Watson, who's got a good arm and is the most athletic on the list. Mitch Trubisky, I think, has the highest floor. He has a high ceiling, but obviously he doesn't have quite the tools that some of these other guys have, even though he's got a lot and he's still ahead of Garoppolo and Cousins. And then Jimmy Garoppolo would be next and then Cousins. So it's the exact opposite, exact mirror image for reward versus risk. And man, it's it's a tough decision, man. And this is why people get fired because this is not an easy decision to make. So it's going to be interesting. Cousins and Garoppolo by trade or uh, draft one of the top four quarterbacks or maybe another quarterback or maybe who knows, maybe they'll just roll with Matt Schaub or 
Brian Hoyer for a year and see what happens in 2018. Very interesting decisions ahead for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. So enough about quarterbacks. Let's talk about some defenders with my guest today. All right. You know him from KMBR 680 in the Bay Area, the 49ers flagship. He's on with Murph and Mac in the mornings, the shower hour, the saloon on the weekends. Mr. Patrick Connor Pecan. How you doing, buddy? Brian Peacock, one of the nicer guys I know. Great to hear you, man. Stoked you're doing this podcast. Hey, we're football guys. We're football guys together. That's absolutely right. Uh, having a great time here on the podcast. Number one 49ers podcast on iTunes, by the way, I should uh, I should say. Congratulations. That's stinking outstanding. All right. Let's rock and roll, baby. <laughs> Thanks not so much to me, but to guests like you. No, no, no. Come on. Come on. Don't be buttering me up. You already got me. All right. Uh, yeah. So what are we thinking? What are we thinking with these 49ers? Oh, geez. Well, let's. I guess let's start at the top. Uh, first of all, I want to get your opinion on, on Lynch and Shanahan. Obviously, Lynch, no experience coming in. Smart guy. Uh, you know, he inspires confidence in me, I know, when he speaks. But, you know, it seems like Jed York kind of did a two-for-one here. They hired, hired Lynch at the top to oversee things, but he also got player personnel people underneath him instead of just hiring one personnel guy. How do you feel about that move? Well, you remember when we were talking about how we should set up the chain of command with the 49ers and everybody wanted a president of football operations and a general manager and that they were two different positions. It appears that John Lynch actually is more of a president of football operations and they've just slapped the uh, tag or the title GM on him. I mean, there's a lot of time to determine if that's the case, but that's the way it feels because he's not a film grunt per se. Trent Baalke was definitely a film grunt. Uh, John Lynch is somebody that's going to come in he, and he's going to lead the fiery sermons and set in philosophy I- I into the um, organization, into the franchise. And so far, so good. Now, I wouldn't consider myself someone who's easily seduced by big talk, Brian, but this guy so far, the way he's laid out uh, the responsibilities and roles for everybody in the organization from the top to the bottom, from the rooter to the tutor, has me swooning. And it's not just business philosophies that work for football, I bet you could pretty much take his ideas and translate them to just about any other line of work. So I'm really motivated and and stoked to see what John Lynch can do for this football team. And Kyle Shanahan, uh, time will tell. But so far, I'm pretty impressed with his no-nonsense, uh, straight-ahead approach, the way he's laid things out and, and, and mapped his plan. I, I got to tell you, whether or not Jed intended this to be the result or at least to be the, the tip of the spear, I, I can't tell you that. I would tend to think not. But maybe they just fell into a, a pool of riches. This is it, So far, so good. Now, obviously, with the combine upon us and then the draft at the end of April, that'll really when we, we find out more about these guys. But right now, Brian, I, I, I think that they're headed in the right direction. I'm with you, man. They're they're breeding some confidence here. Whether you know, I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. so green, and all the coaching staff they brought even under Shanahan as a first timer. So you got first timers everywhere. That's the one thing that that kind of worries me. But every time you hear Shanahan or Lynch speak, I mean, I'm on board. But um, you know, enough about that stuff. Let's get into the draft. I know you're a draft guy, and I'm a draft guy. So I love the draft. Yeah. Let, let me just do one final note based yeah. on um, your your observation that these are first time guys, kind of like football virgins at their current positions. Mm-hmm. Well, l- listen, uh, here's the beauty of that. These boys don't have any skid marks in their, in their skibbies. <laughs> they're clean. <laughs> I mean, and there's something to be said for that. So yeah. um, they- they'll have plenty of time to-, to-, to leave a mark or two. But as for now, their garments clean they're, they're spot on so i'm with you okay what do we got on the draft that's right I, I would say if there's one skid mark it's second half super bowl play calling maybe from shanahan but that's you know that's nitpicking <laughs> well, here 
<laughs> yeah, that's a big wet just Hershey squirt <laughs> everywhere for Kyle Shanahan, but <laughs> I guess I kind of forgot about that one. Yeah, that one's pretty uh, pretty serious. So, um, in, in terms of since he's been with the 49ers, those puppies are, are crisp and white. But you're right. Uh, if you look at his time in Atlanta, he did a lot of good things. His, his last quarter, his last half didn't go so well. Thanks for that, BP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, but I, I agree. Uh, th- that that half of, of play calling aside, and, you know, it, it took a lot of other mm-hmm. things, not just play calls for that all to go wrong. So uh, I'm going to give him a pass because everything else I've seen from Shanahan, I'm on board with. Okay, I want to talk defense because uh, mm-hmm. I know you like defense. You like the big nasty guys. And uh, you're yep. an SEC guy, Auburn alum. So let's go to the SEC. And I think I was a little bit surprised. A player I like, he's probably in my top two or three at, at very minimum of players in the draft. And that's Reuben Foster, middle linebacker from uh, Alabama. And if I'm not mistaken, you actually have him at number one on your board, even ahead of Miles Garrett. Oh, yeah. Um, now, obviously, he's had the rotator cuff surgery, but he supposedly will only be out four months and ready for camp. Look, this is for me, and and time will tell, but right now it's not a high-end, elite, surefire, nuclear class. But I I do have him number one on my board when you factor in 49er needs. Uh, I I like Miles Garrett. I I think he's an athlete. He's he's heavier than Von Miller was at the Combine. Now we'll find out in Indianapolis where where Von Miller weighs in and and all, all, all the specifics in terms of measurables and all that stuff. But this year, I was just a little bit nervous with his lack of production, Miles Garrett. And I'll get back to Reuben Foster in just a second. Miles Garrett can bend, he can do all that, he can edge rush and all that. But I think he had about eight and a half, nine sacks, half of which came against UTSA. And that has me a little bit nervous. Now, obviously, you have to consider that he was double teamed a lot, he was chipped a lot, um, and, and they really, a lot of the offenses in the SEC, went away from Miles Garrett, but, and those are all real things. There's something to consider, but Khalil Mack gets doubled on every play for the Raiders. Uh, Julius Peppers in his prime got doubled on every play. The best players always get doubled, and you have to prove that you can defeat those double teams and when they keep a back end to, to, to clip you or whatever. So I was a little bit concerned with Garrett and whether or not he had a, a wounded wing. Fine. You got to go out there and produce. Not, I'm not saying that I don't think Garrett will be a he he will be a productive um, uh, a player in the NFL, but uh, just a little bit concerned by his lack of production. Now, Reuben Foster, love him. Absolutely love him. I didn't love him when he initially gave his verbal to Auburn as a student at Auburn <laughs> High School. He oh, even wow. went so far, Brian, as to get an Auburn, uh, the AU emblem with an eagle tattooed on his forearm. What? And at his, at his verbal uh, ceremony, he actually brought his daughter up on stage. And, look, I want my inside backers to be mean and virile. But I'm a little bit scared when a senior in high school has a daughter that's just about ready to pose for her driver's license picture. (laughs) Capiche? But the kid can fly. The kid can hit. And he's shown a dedication late in his career at Alabama that we didn't see early. He was willing to, as Nick Saban and his defense evolved, from a thumper defense prepared to stop Leonard Fournette, uh, they evolved into a, a smaller, more mobile, agile defense. And you've seen that with their back end, with their safeties. They, they used to have the thumpers like Mark Barron and Landon Collins. And then they kind of shifted to a more nimble uh, back end. And the linebackers this year took on a role where they were expected to do more pass coverage 
And Ruben Foster shed about 20 pounds. And he was freaking awesome this year. I loved everything about him. Now, in the SEC championship game, he did get beat on a wheel route from an H-back. But outside of that, he played nearly a flawless, spotless game. And I think he's one of those guys that could step in and immediately contribute, especially uh, beginning the, um, being tutored by Navarro Bowman. I just think that this guy's going to be special. Now, you've got to be careful because Rolando McLean, I kind of thought he was a coach on the field. And he turned out to be a moron <laughs> yeah. in the on the field and off. So you don't always get it right. But I'm really excited to see what Ruben Foster can do in the NFL. And I think the 49ers would be wise to drop back if they can. Uh, you know, somewhere between seven and ten. And if Ruben's there, go get him, baby. Go get him. Yeah, that that seems right about the right range. Number two would be a little bit tough. And and I worry. The only thing I worry about him is is the injuries because his style of play is awesome, fun to watch, high impact collisions. And you you worry that that his style of play might continue to uh, to add to injuries for him. Uh, he's got the mm-hmm. uh, the torn labrum, whatever it is right now. He had a club hand, a la Patrick Willis at Old Miss. And, you know, you saw how Patrick Willis's career sort of ended a little bit early due to injuries. Well, and, and that would be my big worry. of an inside backer? I mean, it, quite frankly, unless you're talking Harry Carson or Sam Mills, uh, a lot of these guys, I mean, seven, eight years is about, that's about, they're like English Bulldogs. They're good for about seven or eight years. So um, if, if you can get those maxed out and he can play 14 to 16 games every year, plus the playoffs, should the 49ers uh, advance that far, that's what you're looking for. And Brian, just kind of thinking about inside backers and backers in general, uh, you just don't see a lot of inside guys go in the top five. Not right. that it's not a position of importance, but usually you go quarterbacks, uh, corners, elite wide receivers, um, and edge rushers, right? Right. And so I was just looking around and kind of looking at the history. Uh, A.J. Hawk was a top five pick. He was number five in the 2006 draft. And you've had a couple other guys that kind of were, were lucky enough to get up in there. But some of the higher um, the higher selected inside backers, at least in recent memory, Rolanda McClain in 2010 went eight. Luke Keekley went ninth. You've seen, and Pat Willis, the aforementioned uh, Patrick Willis, went 11th in the yeah. 2007 draft. Aaron Curry? So that's, that. what's that? Aaron Curry, I believe he was a big bust. He was top three. Was yeah, he second? Yeah, he was number four. Number four he was okay. number four out of Wake Forest. And he's now coaching the Charlotte 49ers. So wow. That's not an Good omen. knowledge there. But yeah, oh really, uh, Dan Morgan was 11th overall in the 2001 class. And, and uh, Jonathan Vilma, 12th. So, I mean, it does happen. Brian Urlacher, 9th. Uh, so it, it does happen, but um, number two, I think, would really break new ground. So uh, can you convince somebody to come up and maybe go for Mitch Trubisky or a quarterback? Uh, it's going to be tough. Jonathan Allen's getting a lot of buzz. So um, the, if if John Lynch and his team can get somebody to come up, man, that would be I stinking. That would just be ideal. That would be the ideal scenario. That's what I'm looking at there. Um, you know, and even if. Miles Garrett does somehow fall to two and maybe uh, yeah. Cleveland goes quarterback at one. That gives you a little bit more ammo to trade down. It'd be a little bit harder to yeah. trade off for me because I really love Miles Garrett. But uh, y- you've got to entertain those trade offers if they come. And you might even take a little bit less than than usual than maybe what you know Cleveland took last year for number two. Because maybe nobody wants a quarterback. Maybe someone wants to get up for you know Jonathan Allen or somebody like that. Hey, Brian, one other thing on, on Miles Garrett, because I know that you're really high on him and then the great Larry Kruger loves him. But I just, you know, it's recency bias, whatever. But in their bowl game, I feel like uh, Miles Garrett got shut the blank down against Kansas State. I believe he may have had one one tackle, 
And I think he, I mean, it was an impactful tackle, but I feel like Kansas state, and I know they schemed to run away from him or to run power at him and take advantage of his live frame. But I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous on him, man. And, and if should the 49ers get him at two, I think it'd be really exciting. And I, it'd be fun to see what could happen. But I'm just really nervous on him, dude. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, especially with this last year. Uh, he, he had more production the year before in 2015, yeah. but he was playing through an ankle injury. So, you know, showing a little toughness there. It's definitely mm-hmm. slowed him down a little bit. He started playing the run a lot better. So I think he's playing run mm-hmm. to pass more than just pinning his ears back, going for the quarterback. Um, but one thing I noticed watching him is is all the physical skills are there, but he still is raw, and and that that's actually what what excites me more is he's got some bend. He's he doesn't have the bend that Von Miller does, but he's also bigger than Von Miller and explosive. He doesn't have the straight line explosion that Jadavian Clowney does, but he's got more bend than Clowney. You know, so you know, Cleo Mack, he, I, I he he deserves to be compared to those guys as prospects. We'll see if he develops. And the 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 thing I really like about you know all those tools put together with some production and him still being raw is that he's just off the charts, a good dude, hardworking dude from all reports. And so you would assume that he can achieve, um, you know, he can achieve that development just due, due to being a good character guy and, and, and a tough guy and willing to put in the work. Yeah. And Brian, just one other note is that with all the double teams he had, don't forget Deshaun Hall was on the other side, right. uh, chasing quarterbacks. Uh, and he was definitely should have pulled some attention away. So, Hey, I'm with you. If I had one character concern, I think he's into astronomy or something and call me a meathead, but I want my football players just, I want them, I I want them to be forcing other players to see stars, not looking for them themselves. So, (laughs) hey, uh, again, let me just reiterate for everybody listening to Brian's awesome podcast is that I'm all in on Miles Garrett should he fall to number two. My ideal scenario is see the 49ers drop back a bit and get value with uh, Reuben Foster somewhere between 7 and 10, 7 and 12. So that would, if, if I, it was a perfect uh, world in, in Santa Clara, that, that's where I'm looking. Yeah, actually, earlier this offseason I did, there's a fan speak. They have this little uh, mock draft simulator thing, you know, and they use draft boards from different draft nicks around and in different uh, uh, media outlets. And then you do a draft and mocking with different teams and different needs. And, and that's what I did in this mock draft is traded down and ended up getting Reuben Foster, I think, at pick 8 was the trade down and then moved back up from the second round with the extra picks and took Corey Davis at the end of round one. That would be the most ideal situation oh, I could see, especially if that, they add a quarterback elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, this is not a quarterback class for me, at least high end. If you can get Seth Russell or um, Davis out of Cal, Davis Webb, that, that, that is something that you could I could see in terms of being a, a four- or five-year backup quarterback who knows the system is good enough to – to only get a handful of snaps every couple of weeks in practice, but then still jump into a game if called upon and have an impact or at least maintain a semblance of confidence. Um, the quarterback class, I'm a little bit worried now. If they, if um, uh, Watson is available at 34, that'd be pretty exciting, and I don't think he could pass on him. But, yeah, dude, Corey Davis, while everybody else in November was watching the election, chaos uh, uh swarm the country you know what i was doing i was watching western michigan play i think it was ball state in the rain and Corey davis didn't do a damn thing but that's what i was doing so that i'd be prepared to talk to you today my brother I-, I love the kid i like his body control his size and just because he comes from a small college is not something that that scares me off 
I love Corey Davis, bro. I love him. Oh yeah, the side, the run after catch at that size is awesome, and it's really what separates him for me for with uh, Mike Williams. And I think they're one A and one B. It's going to be interesting how teams line them up, um, but the athleticism with the size together is what has me excited about Corey Davis. I'll tell you one other name, and obviously John Ross at the Washington runs like a scalded dog. Keep an eyeball out for him. He'll give you a little bit of contributions in the uh, special team side of things. But there's a little guy that I've, I watched a, a significant amount at North Carolina, ACC football on the come up. They had a big 2016. Uh, a little guy by the name of Ryan Switzer, and I know that yes. most football fans are aware of him, but this kid, there's something about him that just has me, I mean, flicking the bean, dude. I'm all over this kid. He's a smaller kind of guy. You saw the success that New England's had for years with their small little guys. And the obvious joke is, yeah, he's white too. But, I mean, this guy's got hands. He's got double move potential. This guy's got incredible ability to cut on a dime and really uh, take advantage of the, the trend for bigger corners. And uh, I'm, I just love this kid. He's a mid-round guy. Heck, you may even get him on the third day. Ryan Switzer is somebody that can step in and on a team where you're going to have obviously 10 draft selections this year. And if you're lucky, eight or nine of them make the uh, opening day roster, the 46 man. This guy can contribute so many different ways. Just throwing it out there. I guess I'm stealing a page out of Larry Kruger's book, coming up with somebody. I'm talking, I'm talking sixth, seventh round type draft selections here. Ryan Switzer, remember that. That's a great call. I love Ryan Switzer. The quicks, uh, the, the prototypical yeah. uh, New England Patriot slot wide receiver there on the third day. I love yeah. that pick. Yeah, and Jeremy Curley, God bless him. He had a nice 2016 considering uh, that he came in, what, just a couple of days before their first game, and they had the quarterback carousel with Blaine and uh, Colin Kaepernick. So Jeremy Curley being a slot receiver, uh, Switzer can step in, and with a little bit of seasoning, I think this guy's off to the races. So I tell you what, man, with the combine uh, right here and getting to see the details on these kids that are going to be coming out, I'm super excited. And then we're, what, uh, just under two months away from watching it all go down. And with Trent Balke, I almost felt like it was, it was, it was almost you dreaded what was about to come because <laughs> I lost faith in his selections. And yeah. I, it was almost like, okay, when are we going to get an ACL guy? So um, not that that's a, a totally broken philosophy, but this year, I mean, I'm just buzzed already for it. So uh, combine draft OTAs, mini camps, Man, let's, let's get to it, baby. Let's get to it. I love it. That is Patrick Connor. You can follow him on Twitter at Pecan34. We are both pumped for the Combine to come and the draft. And hopefully we'll get him on here on Locked On 49ers to talk to us again. You can hear him on KMBR 680 doing his thing. Pecan, thanks again for coming on, man. Hey, for you, Brian Peacock, anything, pal. <laughs> awesome. Take care, buddy. That's funny he mentioned... People who have other interests outside of sports when he was talking about Miles Garrett there and, and astronomy. And I, I think back to Quame Harris. I remember a big thing coming out of the draft was how he was way into playing the piano. And uh, it's funny because some people look at that and go, oh, great. He's got this other talent. And some people and, you know, football guys, you know, like Pecan was saying, it's like, nah, I want this guy to be crusty. I want football to be everything every day for this guy in his heart, in his head. And, and I totally get that. And I remember Marcus Mariota versus Jameis Winston. That was a big conversation as well because Mariota just came off as too nice and kind of laid back. And, and some evaluators hated that about him. And Winston, even though he had a little bit of a history with, with getting into some trouble and, and doing some things, he was more of a 
an ass kicker, and he had that attitude, and teams seemed to love that even more than than some of the downfall of some character questions. So it's it's really interesting the balance there between being high character, being a good human being, and just being a true butt kicker on the football field. Real quick before I go, I want to talk about an interesting mock draft that was put out on Monday by DraftWire.USAToday.com. Uh, they put together this mock draft with different experts drafting for each team. Repping the 49ers was Chris Biederman from Niners Wire, who was also with me last week on Locked On 49ers. He took Reuben Foster, pick number two, after Miles Garrett went to Cleveland at pick one. There were no trades in this mock draft. The Browns, man, they just have such a chance for a franchise-changing draft. If Miles Garrett is as good as everyone thinks he's going to be, you take him at one and still have a great opportunity to draft a quarterback at pick 12. And in this mock draft, they did just that with Mitch Trubisky at pick 12. Jeff Risden from Brownswire was picking for Cleveland. And man, that's uh, that's a hell of a, a pull. And, you know, the Browns might be sitting there at 12 if they don't trade for a veteran quarterback or, or sign a guy. They might sit there and think, you know, maybe we can't wait till 12 and have to move up. And I talked about how crazy it would be if, if they actually ended up moving up with the 49ers and just saying, screw it, we're going to take Garrett one and we're going to trade up with San Francisco and take a quarterback two and be done with it. And, um, and that was what the trade was last year. Actually, Cleveland traded down from two to 12 with Philadelphia. Philadelphia gave up their pick 12. They gave up a future first, which is what Cleveland has there with pick 12. And they gave up a, a third and a fourth from last year's draft. So that's what you're looking at if you were to maybe move up or move down uh, with Cleveland at 12. But in this draft, Miss Trubisky at 12, and, and that's quite a haul for uh, the Cleveland Browns there. But, you know, there was one, and the, kind of the reason this really stuck out to me, I, I like that they had people from each team making picks in this mock draft. You can find it over at, at draftwire.usatoday.com. The one pick that really stood out to me, Pete Prisco from CBS Sports was drafting for the Cincinnati Bengals. And at pick nine, he took Corey Davis, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. If you listen to this show, you know he's one of my favorite players in the draft, especially for the 49ers who very much need a wide receiver. And he's kind of all over the board. And uh, I really do think he's going to get close to the top 10 here when it comes down to um, where these guys are going to get placed in the draft. And actually, Mike Williams went the very next pick to Buffalo in this mock draft. So they went 9-10. But in his little blurb underneath the draft pick of Corey Davis, this is where I kind of have a problem, and I've seen this happen a few times looking at mock drafts. He says, when the Bengals didn't have Muhammad Sanu and Marvin Jones, it showed up in a big way. They need more help for A.J. Green. Oh, boo-hoo. The, Cincinnati, the poor little Cincinnati Bengals need help for A.J. friggin' Green. Uh, the, I've seen this a lot with a bunch of teams. You know, uh, Philadelphia takes a, a wide receiver in a lot of mock drafts because they don't have enough to go with Jordan Matthews and Doriel Green-Beckham. Nelson Aguilar, all high picks in the draft. And uh, it's like, man, these teams that are really, really in need of wide receiver are so much better off already than the 49ers are at wide receiver. So uh, screw you, Pete Prisco. A.J. Green having sons of guns over in Cincinnati. Nah, Pete Prisco's a good writer. And uh, uh, no offense, Pete, if you're listening to the show, I'd love to have you on. But yeah, so uh, we see a lot of that stuff. And it always just, it, it irks me when I see a team that that already has some pretty good talent at wide receiver and talk about how badly they need a wide receiver and you look at the 49ers roster wide receiver and you're like, oh man, yep, you got you to gotta add some talent there. Got to do it. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks again to Patrick Connor for coming on the show. We're going to have a winky Wednesday tomorrow. Mark Schofield coming on the show on Thursday to talk quarterbacks. That'll be the quarterback and wide receiver weigh-in day at the Combine, and we'll talk more about those weigh-ins on Friday and then get more into the whole Combine coverage and all the people who run and all the times over the weekend on Monday. Subscribe, rate, review the show. We're on iTunes, Audio Boom, 
a whole bunch of other places. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Join the conversation via email. If you don't do the Twitter thing, you can find me at LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Uh, links to all that stuff, LockedOn49ers.com. And also hit me via email if uh, your company is interested in sponsoring LockedOn49ers. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Fall has arrived at JCPenney, the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to 50% off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save 50 to 60% on select sheet sets, plus an extra 15% with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 928-109 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Prices valid 928-101. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Fittings on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.